Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome to another session of Global Answers. It's nice to have you with us. This is a special time for me, and I hope it's a special time for you. I'm flying solo for last week and then that few weeks now in the future because I want to talk to you about the Godhead. Is he one? Is he two? Is he three? Last time we went through the scriptures in the Bible to show how that it's easily could be perceived there is one, there is two, there's, there's three, but we never reached any conclusion as to how many there are. We went through the scriptures. And now, after the scriptures, now we're wanting to go into some graphics to depict what is happening uh, scripturally, visually, so that you can see, see what's going on. Now, what you see on your television screen right now represents the invisible God. So I want to read to you now out of Colossians chapter 1, and you'll see the setting that we're using. Colossians chapter 1, speaking of Christ, chapter 1, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, first, first to come out from the creation of God was this firstborn, which is Christ. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. That's the point we wanted to make sure you understood. By him and for him. Why is it for him? Because we find in the very name of Jehovah that he is the self-existing one who continually unveils, reveals himself. He is so big that there is no way that any of us could comprehend this great, invisible God if he were to, to, to unveil all at once. But he's been doing it little by little, and we'll show you that as we go through more of the scriptures. And he is the, excuse me, verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So when we speak of the Godhead, we're speaking, of course, of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So that's all we're in this one tabernacle according to Scripture. Again, back to the picture we see on, on your screen. In this invisible God were these manifold attributes. And since he is Jehovah God that wants to unveil himself, then we find that this unveiling has to take place. It's been going on for thousands of years. So this invisible God making a way for manifestations such as judge and redeemer and healer and guide and comforter, all these various attributes, God has laid out a plan through which he can unveil himself. Now, this invisible God, these attributes are in the invisible God. So we're going to shrink the invisible God back because that's not what we're interested in. We're trying to show the manifestation of the invisible God. So this invisible God recedes back and is not, uh, not the one that we're interested in. We're interested in this manifestation. So out of the invisible God comes a form called a 
theophany and the, the biblical term, excuse me, a theological term, which means a word form body. And so this theological form now comes out from God because God is going to declare himself. So this is the beginning now of the declaration of the thoughts of God, the attributes of God, which is in him. So now this invisible God begins to pour himself and his attributes into this theophonic form, which we'll find, and we showed you last time, that this form is Christ before he ever came to flesh. It's Christ, the very power through which all of heaven and earth was created. So all that God was now, he pours into this Christ form, and now this is a body form as the invisible God is moving from the invisible down eventually to meet his creation in flesh as a savior. So he's moving from the invisible down, down, down in dimension wise, coming closer and closer down to us. So it doesn't finish when God actually pours his attributes into him, that God himself steps into this tabernacle. And then now this is the son of God in a prefigure. Now watch, watch this again now. So we've got God with his attributes, recesses back, out of God comes this theophonic form. The scripture would call it a celestial body. And then into this form, God pours his attributes and then steps into this. And the scripture calls this form the Logos, the Logos of God. And now all those attributes that we had seen previously in the previous drawing when he was invisible are now in this attribute, you can see the various ones. They are now in this Christ form. So all that God was, he pours into this Christ form. And then this now, hope this doesn't shock you, becomes the Lamb's book of life because God had created before the foundation of the world, his entire family in his great thinking. The Bible says our names were put on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. The scripture says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Where did this take place? In God's great thinking. And so now the materialization of thought, the expression of thought is word. And then this term logos that you see at the top of the screen there, that logos then we see now, we see our definition that I showed you last time, that the Logos of God is Christ. So here's our Logos with our attributes that we've seen before here, all manifested together. And this is now Christ. It is a theophany. It is a body for Jehovah. It is the anointing. It is the son in a prefigure. Now, this becomes extremely significant. If this is the firstborn among many brethren, and it is, the Bible said so. We read it last time. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Then each of God's sons must come into manifestation for the same purpose. So here we see that this Christ, this Logos, is a tabernacle in which God himself steps to manifest himself. Now let's jump forward to Jesus and think about what the scripture said about him. The scripture says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God had stepped into this virgin-born tabernacle, born of the Virgin Mary. God had stepped in there to manifest another attribute, which would be 
redeemer or savior. Now, a redeemer in scriptural terms in the Old Testament was called a goel, G-O-E-L in the Hebrew. And that means that to be a goel, he had to be kinsman. So God in spirit form is not kin to us. So God had to create a body, step into a human form to declare himself and be kin to us to be our redeemer scripturally. Now, jumping back again, this Logos, the firstborn among many brethren, the scripture called Jesus of Nazareth, this Christ now is what we jump forward again to Colossians and it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now we have understanding. It's not a little Jesus inside of me. It's Christ, the Logos, the anointed word inside the believer. First Peter, Peter tells us we are born again by the seed incorruptible, the word of God. Genesis 1.11 tells us every seed brings forth of its own kind. So therefore that seed word that is in the believer is there for the purpose of bringing a declaration of Christ once anointed by a baptism of the Holy Ghost. The final step now as we go back to our screen again, the Logos, this Christ from Strong's Concordance says the Logos, something said, including the thought, the divine expression, Christ. So therefore, as long as we have the word and the, our understanding matches God's thought behind that word, that's Christ. As soon as we inject a misunderstanding, a theological term that's not right, uh, some conjecture or doctrine or dogma that's not scriptural, then it's no longer Christ. It's no longer the seed word of God. It's hybrid now with something from man's opinions, man's theological thoughts, reasonings that have been injected in and cannot produce what God called for to be reproduced. If we look at the Christian churches around the world, we will see various levels of sometimes good living, sometimes clean living, sometimes living just like the world. When we look at statistics, let's say the divorce rate, we find the divorce rate in the world and the divorce rate within the Christian church are equal. What does that mean? That many people have missed out on getting Christ into their life because Christ doesn't divorce. So now something else has been injected to kill the effect of the transforming power of the Word of God. And that's why we're having this study to show you, one, about God, and two, to show you how important it is that we stay with a pure Word of God, that God can produce in us that which He desires to produce. So now Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God. So this Christ, this Logos, becomes God condescending down that we might be seen. The firstborn of every creature. So we find in scripture that the worlds were created by the word, this Logos. So before there was a sun, a moon, a star, a wind, a molecule, an atom. Before that, there was Christ. He was the firstborn of everything. Anything that came out from God, it started with Christ. Then out of that came the angels and all the creations of God. Verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, 
whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, exist, are held into place. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. So now we see that the beginning was God's thoughts materializing. So in the beginning was this logos. And the logos, the word was with God. How? The second person? No. In his great thinking, God and his thoughts. And the word was God because it is God being expressed. The same was in the beginning with God. We saw that already in graphic form. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. God creates by his word and the word is Christ. Ephesians 3, 9, and to make all men know, see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So we see now the name of the Logos, the name of the word is Jesus Christ because Jesus was the word made flesh. So he carried the name of the word Jesus right with him. Ephesians 3.14, it says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So now we find the whole family name is Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Word, the living, anointed Word. And we find that we ourselves are born again by that same seed, the Word, to declare our portion of the Word. That's why Paul said, you are written epistles, read of all men. So we come out declaring our portion of the Word are based on our place in the body and the age in which we're living. And then Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So in that creation you saw when all those little attributes of God were coming out of God and into Christ, we were included in there because we saw that was the writing of the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. So we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's part of the germ, part of the seed that's in a believer which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So we find all that scripture is in us and we are there to live it out. Now in the great creation way back before there was a heaven and an earth, there were two powers. One of course was Michael, which was the chief angel, the chief architect of heaven, the chief angel of heaven. And then there was another power called Lucifer, who was really actually God's right-hand man in heaven. But Lucifer found he was so beautiful that he thought he could have a, a better church, a better kingdom than God himself. So he divided the kingdom of heaven and then certain angels followed after him. The scripture says because of his beauty and they fell then and now were known as fallen angels. So the fall took place in heaven before there was a creation here on earth. And so with the fall in heaven now, humanity is now choosing under what anointing will we be? Christ, the Logos, the Word, or under Lucifer's anointing? But we must remember both are very religious. Both worship God, 
but one is right, one is wrong. Attached to one is eternal life. Attached to the other is damnation. So now we see the war that started in heaven has already come to earth. So in God's great creation, then the first thing to come out from God, according to the way it would have to be to follow the pattern, was the sun. The first thing that came out from God in the, in the spiritual was Christ the Logos, and Christ becomes the light of the world, and God follows the same pattern, whether natural or spiritual. So out of, out of natural spiritual creation came the light, Christ. Out of the natural creation would become the sun, and then out of this sun creation would be a, a break off things that came out and became creation, which in the case of what we're speaking of now, then out of there came these, all the stars, moons, planets, a little different than science says, but it follows the spiritual pattern. And then out of this formation, a great clinker comes off of the earth. That great clinker cools and forms and becomes planet earth back when in the beginning God created. Some previous civilization uh, seems to be in scripture was on earth and they were judged and destroyed. And then the earth was covered over with darkness, a mist over the face of the deep. And so we find then in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, period. And then perhaps millions or billions of years passed. And then verse 2, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And that was the earth left in its state of judgment. And then, then out of that, just a few thousand years ago, God began to bring forth an Eden out of this chaos of judgment. And if we were to go further into this, we'd find the very similar thing types right back to the human soul in that we were created with this soul life of God in us, it was overshadowed by the fallen nature of man. Uh, once man fell, we became under the dominion of the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2 tells us, and then God has to send a light and drive back the darkness to bring forth that which he wants within each one of his children. That's not our subject, so we won't stay, stay in that subject. So we're going to jump forward in time now, not to creation of heaven and earth because it has not to do with the Godhead, but rather we jump forward all the way past Adam and Eve up to Abraham. And we pick up our study of the Godhead at that place because we find that Abraham had a visitation and when he, was, when he had come back from the slaughter of the kings, here's something God's prophet told us in this day, that there was an appearance as Melchizedek to Abraham, and this is God. And we can read about it in Hebrews chapter 7, and it says that this Melchizedek had no father, no mother, no beginning of days, no ending of life. And so therefore it has to be God himself, no father, no mother, no beginning of days, no ending of life. So Abraham had a visitation of God as the king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem. The king of Salem, of course, came down from a new Jerusalem, which one day the elect lady will, will, will go to. So in addition to our visitation to Abraham by Melchizedek, we find very manifestations of God. So here to Moses, this Logos appeared as the hind of a part of a man. The scripture says that he was the rock 
that followed them in the wilderness. He was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. This is all that same Christ that led the children of Israel, just like is leading Christ, leading the church today in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit, as we will see as we continue on. So this same Christ that led the children of Israel, he was with them in the wilderness, but he had told them that, he would, that God said, I will meet you between the wings of the cherubim and so down over the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. God said, I'll speak to you from between the wings of the cherubim. It's always Christ and he's called the angel of the covenant and Moses was, says, you know, don't offend this angel because he said he, he won't show you mercy. That was, that was Christ in the, old, in the Old Testament, just moving forward. God continually manifesting himself, continually manifesting himself. This uh, Old Testament vision that we, excuse me, example that we saw here, when the children of Israel were traveling, they, the high priest only could go beyond this veil right here and into the presence of God. But this same symbolism, this same layout was placed in Solomon's temple, which was the place of worship at the time of Jesus Christ. So this veil, but in Solomon's temple, hiding the glory of God, hiding the Shekinah, hiding the mercy seat, that's the veil that rent from top to bottom at Calvary. So prior to Calvary, it, you, it was death to go into the Holy of Holies. Now it's death if we don't go in, we must go into the presence of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's God's promise and the blood of Jesus Christ made a way for us. This same God, the way that God spoke to us through seven church age messengers, in the Old Testament, he spoke through the prophets. And so each prophet, we have here just a series of them, not necessarily these, but each of these prophets had an anointing, a measure of Christ. And so they became Christ bringing the word to the people, to Israel in, in each age. And the symbolism of what the prophets were to Israel, the messengers to each church in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, do the same thing unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? Unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? So this messenger, this man to each age becomes a manifestation of Christ to the age. And to show you how important that is, some may say, oh, well, I follow Jesus. I don't follow a man. Jesus said, if you receive whomsoever I send, you receive me. And if he sends a messenger and we reject the messenger, we have rejected Christ. God has chosen to work through man. When we follow this same Christ coming into manifestation, he was spoke to Israel through the prophets. And then this we know that Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost to bring forth a child. And as this child was birthed, the attributes of God were dropped into this child and he was born the Word of God. So the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, but not yet quickened. You notice on our description, on our video, excuse me, our graphic here, that he is... The, this life of the Logos didn't come in to the child at birth, and you'll see why in a moment, but he was the fullness of the word when he was born. And then he, as he goes on in his ministry, now here's some quotes uh, 
from a prophet in this day. It says, God in every age, as I spoke last evening, he told the end from the beginning. He told what would be in each generation. God in the sundry times, he sent forth the prophets when each time come for those things to happen for that age, he sent forth prophets and the word of the Lord always comes to the prophets, the prophet for that age. And then each time, the only thing that the prophet did was manifest exactly the promise to that age. And when the day of the Lord Jesus came on the scene, he was the manifestation of the word for that age. He was Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born and so forth. So this same, same uh, Logos that was with Christ, not yet birthed to it, yet he was the word, confounding the Sadducees and Pharisees with his knowledge of the word because he was the word. He worked in a carpenter shop with his, we'll call him stepfather Joseph, but he's not yet quickened to his ministry. But now as the Jesus, the living word, goes down to the river Jordan, meets the prophet in the water. And when he's there in the water, then the scripture says something very special happens as the spirit of God settles upon him. And we see the spirit of God like a dove coming into this vessel. And now the word is quickened into manifestation. And now he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily on earth. Now he moves into his ministry after a period of temptation upon the Mount of Temptation. So we notice now that we're going to find that that pattern follows each believer, seed of predestination to be quickened by the baptism of the Holy Ghost just as Jesus was quickened. The word was there, but it had to be quickened to bring forth the predestinated manifestation. And it's exactly the same truth for every believer, friends. If that seed of election is within you, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to quicken that seed to bring forth you into manifestation what God has called you to do in this age. God bless you. For more information on today's subject, write to us and request the DVD Focusing on the Godhead. Our address is Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio, 45801 in the USA or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us As always, today's program The Godhead Explained is available on DVD. Please send us a note with your thoughts on the program and any topics you'd like to see covered or what God is doing for you. Thank you for joining us. May our Lord Jesus Christ